1: And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. We are going to get into some film notes from this week to match a programming note. I have gotten angry emails from the powers that be at Odyssey. And apparently, I am the one of uh, the only people on the planet who is not allowed to break down all 22 film on YouTube. So that is what it is. But if you want to go look at the film that I am talking about, I still post it to to Twitter. Um, and so, if you are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, and you'd like to kind of check out some of the clips that I am referring to, a lot of them will be on my Twitter account at Jeff underscore um, And this, particularly for this first person, I'm going to talk about, which Trevor Penning, he was a punching bag for week one and week two and for good reason right he allowed 10 pressures 3 sacks over 2 weeks he was struggling hard he wasn't getting out of his stance he was getting beat with speed he was getting beat with power he was too far over his heels so he was getting driven back these last 2 weeks he's taken serious steps forward and you know he's been getting some help right and it's it's funny you when you watch the tape and you go back you can see the help behind him at points like there's like and and like Alvin is there ready to pick up a block but he's it's, he's not needed, <laughs> you know, and it's it's kind of funny because you can see it. He's ready to hedge, but the block is good enough that he's like, okay oh, I'm just going to clear out." And that's good to see, you know. He's allowed one, uh, three pressures. He allowed one pressure against the Packers, two against the Bucks, zero sacks, um, even in, in against Green Bay when the pressure was was significant, and the set. Derek Carr got sacked three times in barely, you know, two and a half quarters. You know, he's not one of the culprits for one of those sacks, and so you know, you can see the progress. He's still not perfect. He's still gonna. He's still on a learning curve. But you know, the run blocking was always going to be there. He got a 91 grade from PFF, um, PFF, and run blocking this week. I think he got like a 78 grade in pass blocking, which I think is a career high for him. You know, so he's he's improving. He's getting better. And that's all you can hope for with for a young player in his fifth career start. Right. So, you know, I, I think he really did hold up well. And I have a kind of a montage of some of the good reps uh, on that I posted on Twitter this morning. So if you want to go check that out, I like I just, you know, for all of the negative things that you can say about this team and the issues on offense and the, the lack of points and scoring and, and drive movement. I think that's that's a really positive sign for this team going forward.
0: Yeah, like you said, he was easy target to be the punching bag in the beginning, and there it wasn't just, you know, made out of the blue. It was for good reason, obviously. Uh, tape don't lie, but, yeah, I thought uh, you mentioned Penning, you know, being better this game. Just in all, the the offensive line seemed to perform a whole lot better. I know there were still obviously some issues, but at least uh, there was, you know, an, an, an advancement in protection because – Things were not look, you know, we talked about it looked like Derek Carr or whoever's that quarterback was going to get killed back there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like people ask for adjustments, right? And, you know, we can say that Pete has done everything wrong and, and you know, there's been a lot of mistakes, whatever. You know, I think one of the adjustments they made in this game was a good one in that they got the ball out of his hand faster. Now, the, a lot of these plays were not successful. And the Bucks have one of the fastest linebacking cores in the NFL when that, You know, so you're not able to get the ball in space and get the type of yardage that you might hope for against some other teams. Like there was a play that Derek Carr checked down to Alvin Kamara and, you know, he caught the ball. He put his foot in the ground to turn, but then Devin White just ate him up. And it was like, yeah, because Devin White's fast, right? Like he can get there. He's not, you know, Dalvin's not breaking that tackle, especially not this week when he's kind of just getting back into the rhythm of things. But, you know, if you go back and you watch those two drives that ended in field goals in in the second half, it was by running the ball. It was not it, it, it. They didn't bog down on third and short at the 40 yard line because it was like, oh, shot, shot play time, you know, and, you know, instead they just picked up the first down and kept the chain moving, kept the chain moving It bogged down in the red zone. One of them we talked about with the Taysom Hill run that probably didn't need to happen because it was a bit too obvious and lost a couple yards. So you end up in third and nine and then. You know, that's but that's the thing with the Saints offense. If you can stay ahead of the chains, you have a chance to be successful. If you get behind the chains, this has not shown to be an offense that can overcome that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the, there are things to complain about and there's just common sense. And that's one of them is, you know, don't run a play that's that risks you losing five yards on second and five. Like it, It's like not all plays are going to be successful, right? The, when we talked about that kind of reverse to Alvin Kamara where Taysom Hill gave the ball to Derek and then he put a pop pop pass to Alvin. And it's like, I don't hate the idea because you're setting that up throughout the game. You went to it too early. You went to it before setting a precedent. And it's a situation where on second and five in the red zone, I don't want to see a play that if the defense plays it correctly you risk a five to eight yard loss like it's not like it's not like they made a spectacular play the defense and it's not like the offense screwed up you are relying on misdirection way behind the line of scrimmage to succeed and if it doesn't which it didn't you lose eight yards and that effectively torpedoes your drive you're in third and 12 and yeah you know that's those are the type of play calls where it's like just you know, I get it. You want to be creative and you don't want to be formulaic and you don't want to be bland, but at a certain point you're, you're, you're out thinking. Um, and, I, and that's, that's honestly, you know, it's, it's weird. How many different critiques of Pete Carmichael can you have that he's, <laughs> that he's thinking it and then he's underthinking it, that they're not prepared, that they're too prepared. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's such it, like the situational decision-making is, is what really stands out where it's like, I don't hate this idea. I actually think that play call could work in the right circumstances, not on second and five at the 15 yard line or whatever it was. Like that's those those are the decisions that it's like you look back on film and just like why? What were you? What were you trying to accomplish here? Anyway,
0: uh, back to what you mentioned with Penning and PFF. You know what he had at ranking the offensive line in general. Though did you know our thoughts about you know, the the gradual improvement in this game and what looked to be a better performance, did that shake out according to PFF stats too?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the total pressures they allowed were 12 and 39 dropbacks, uh, one sack or or two sacks, but the second one was just like, you know, near the end of the game and Derek was holding on to it, trying to make something happen. We talked about this. Like one thing that that is very clear about Derek is he's not going to, just throw the ball away on third and nine uh, to avoid getting hit, right? Like he's willing to stand in there and take a hit on third and long. If it means like that extra second where you might be able to make something happen downfield. Now, when that's happening on first and second down, it's an issue. When it's happening on third down, it's just like, yeah, he's that. That's, that's part of doing the job. Um, so like that second sack, I don't have an issue with a majority of the sacks he's taken have come on third and down third down and, and more than half of them have come on third and nine or longer. But yeah, I mean, I think the bucks offensive line allowed 11 pressures. So like you're talking, you're at, you're, you're getting closer to league average, right? Like you're, I wouldn't say this is a great offensive line based on the way they played on week four. But if you play like the way you did in week four, yeah, you can, you can work with that. You cannot work with the way they played in, in week one. You cannot work with the way they played in week three. I think they were okay in week two.
0: Yeah, week three to me was definitely the one that my eyes were popping out of my skull. And like I said, seeing Ryan Ramchick getting abused was not what I needed to see.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, like, like again, like so, some of the changes, like running the ball more, getting the ball out quickly, that helps your offensive line, right? Like even, even if you lose, if the ball's out of the quarterback's hands, you won. You know, like there's only so much time and you don't have to win for three seconds. You just have to win for a half second. I would like to see the offensive line block better on, downfield on screens. Um, you know, the, one of the gripes in this game was Chris Olave's performance, not only like just getting catching balls, which I don't know if the, I don't think he had a drop, but, you know, just they the, always want. The effort was questioned, I think, on the broadcast. And I, I do think that there was a play early in this game where Chris Olave got hit hard on a short pass to the left, um, and he came like kind of hobbling off the field. I think he got dinged up on that play. I think you know when you're when you're trying to play through something and not a major injury, right? It didn't take him out of the game. I think in a game like that where you're not getting the ball and you're and you're feeling something, and that kind of hurts. Uh, your performance, but my issue is not so much the route running, which is something that I know was questioned. It's the blocking. The block, you got to be better, and that's the frustrating thing. It's like everyone says the wide receivers aren't here to block, and then you watch the film, and you're like, man, that that play could have worked if Chris Olave didn't get blown up. There was one where they they threw it quick in the flat to Alvin Kamara, and you just watch he runs into Chris Olave's back because Chris Olave is getting drawn. Like he 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 stayed in front of the guy, I guess but he gets driven back four yards. Like, and it's like, again, just got to hold your ground. Like you don't even have to move them. You just can't just plant your feet, dude. Um, and you know, that's the frustrating thing is like you, if you can only run to one side of the field, because that's the side Mike Thomas is on that, you know, then, then you start to you start to, you know, the, the defense kind of keys on that. Right. And that's why, you know, everyone's like, well, why is Trey Smith here? He was good <laughs> at that. It was something he was good at, right? Like it's not great at a lot of things, but he was really good right. at that. Um, and so, you know, those are the blocks that are really frustrating. Cause like every week you look and you're just like, man, that was set up. That was the right call. Then didn't, didn't hold up on a block or you, or you, or you held on a block like for that Taysom Hill run against the Packers that I think, you know, if they, they get that run, they have a really good chance to win that game because it's just one extended drive away from putting that game away. Um, and so like, t- t- and that's true of the offensive line too, when they get out to the edges of the field. Um, so, you know, that's, those are things that, you know, I've been an issue every week and you see him on film every week.
0: Uh, looking at the film, just curious, your thoughts, uh, or grade, whatever you want to say on Brian Brze. I thought he had another, you know, pretty good outing for this team.
1: Yeah. You know, Brian's interesting and, and he did play well. Um, you know, and, and he's one of those guys that when he makes a big play, it's a big play and and you see him like any, he, and he's right in the backfield. He's swallowing the running back. It was very, that, that play. Honestly, it reminded me of Jadavion Clowney in the Outback Bowl. you know, when he just like destroyed the Michigan running back and his helmet flew off. And then he, like the only, that was the only difference is, you know, he wasn't able to hit him hard enough that his helmet popped off like a cork and then he fumbled, but it was that type of play. He got in the backfield that fast. Uh, there was another play he got back through for a sack. I think he had two tackles for loss. But that's the thing with defensive tackles. It's like when you're trying to grade their performance, you can't only grade the successful plays. Right. When they hit home. Yeah. Because like, you know, what about that? I mean, they got run on all day. And like the rushing yards for the Bucks aren't as, aren't as high as you, you might have thought they would be. But in, in situations where you needed a, you know, to hold them to no gain on first down, it was like they always got four or five yards. They kept themselves in really good down and distance situations because they were able to run successfully. And a lot of times, that's the D tackles, right? That's that's what you're doing. And you maybe you got blocked, and uh, you know Dennis Allen has made a point. Now uh, he made a point on both his press conference talking about Brian Brzee, and on the WWL coaches show talking about Brian Brzee. And so here is that here is that clip uh, that we can play right now.
0: Yeah, well, I was, you know, talking about uh, Brian Brzee, I mean, I th- I think he's been active inside for us. He he brings an athletic element inside, and he's, uh, you know, got the ability to to win quick. Uh, you know, he had the sack in the game, and 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 then had the nice tackle for loss on a on an inside movement. Uh, so I think he's doing some really good things. Obviously, there's still some things he's got to improve on. You know, his pad level, I think, has got to get better, and you know, some of
1: his fundamentals and technique. But uh, certainly, I think he's uh, he's made some impact plays for us. That's a coach who is trying to do two things. One, he's trying to keep this young player grounded so that he's not constantly b- like buying into his own hype of how great he is and not thinking he still has a lot of work to do, which every young player does regardless of how the good they've been. So there's that. And there's also, that's true. Like there's points where you watch it on film and it's like, he's not a great run player right now. And it's, part of what he talks about is pad level gets too high so he gets taken out of the play and he gets blocked down and then there's a lane to run through right like he needs to keep his center of gravity low and that's something that when you kind of and Mike Ditella talks about this he he's got long legs he's got a high center of gravity so there will be points where you know a low man wins right and so you the guy gets under him and he's not as effective but the speed is legit the spin move the power is legit and so it's kind of marrying those things, marrying those highlight plays with consistency that, that he needs to work on. And that's what DA is trying to get to there. So, and you can see it on film. like You can see when he makes these huge plays and it's like, man, great pick. That kid's a dude. Uh, and so like, you know, like he's in a great position to continue to get better and better and better and better. And once he does get that techni- technique down... He's going to be a, a force. He's going to be an every down force, like an Aaron Donald type interior lineman. But you know he's still developing, and that's what you know. That's that's what you're hearing there.
0: Yeah, and I I, I know that you know the coach doesn't want to you know like you said inflate the rookie's ego too much. Right. Uh, but I mean it's it's hard not to notice him. I guess when yeah there seems to be at least one play a game that Brazil stood out.
1: Yeah, you can't teach the stuff he does. Like the, yeah. that's the thing. It's like and that's why he's a first round draft pick because. You know, his natural ability is so good and is so his ceiling is so high that he even even still feeling his way out. Like I think Colin Saunders referred to him as a 6'5 Gerber baby. Like what he's saying is, you know, he's still a child. He's still figuring things out, but he's so talented that even as he does that, he's able to make these impact plays. Um, And so you're going to allow him to play through some inconsistencies as a young player. Because he's that good, because he's that talented and he's a first round draft pick. But there are still things to work on. And so like that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that you, you have to really kind of go back and watch it to identify because no, you know, and I don't blame people for this, but people, you watch the ball. Like that's what you do when you watch a football game. You watch the ball. You're not staring at the defense the interior defensive line and being like, oh, what a great run fit. You know, like that's, that's just, that's what you do when you go back and watch it because you know right. what happens on the play, but it's like, okay, but why, what did he do? What did he do? Um, And so, yeah, this team really likes Brian Brazil. He's going to just going to keep getting better and better.
0: Yeah. Great to see. I mean, we know that, you know, some of these first round picks the last couple of years haven't panned out too well. Right. And I, I mean, I know the, uh, the, the jury's still out on a guy even like Trevor Penning, but man, we're at least there's the positive aspect there too. We're seeing, you know, small increases in his play. So uh, I'm just hoping with both of these guys. Obviously, with the more reps they keep getting, we're gonna we're gonna see more of that talent that the Saints were hoping uh, to get when they they took them in the first round.
1: Yeah, you can't whiff on first round draft picks. You just can't. And and the, when you do, it really sets you back. Like this defensive line, right? Like it it feels like the depth isn't as good as it should be because you know two first round draft picks have really kind of fallen away, and, and yeah. you're not sure what you're going to get out of Peyton Turner if he's able to get back this year. But Marcus Davenport definitely didn't give you what you thought he would. And uh, he's not giving the Vikings what they thought he would either, uh, to be fair. But, right. um, you know, speaking of a draft pick and, you know, one guy, so we talked about Paulson Debo getting back and I don't think that Isaac Yadam has played poorly. I think he's actually played very well. I mean, that interception at the goal line was, was great. He, he, deserved a touchback because exactly
0: I was going to say the same thing they
1: doing like so stupid. Like why, are, why is the defense getting punished? Why are the saints getting punished for making a great play by this inane ruling where it's like, why wasn't there a booth review? Maybe it's not reviewable. I, I actually looked that up to see if maybe it was in a non-reviewable play, but okay. it's tough to identify exactly what reviewable and non-reviewable plays are um, either way, you know? And, and so I don't think that, Isaac Yadam being on the field has affected the Saints negatively that much. Like I don't think the drop off from Paulson Adebo to Isaac Yadam has been significant. But I do think it is negatively impacting Alanti Taylor. And we saw that in this game. He was playing a little head like his head was on fire. I think he's being asked to do a lot. He's being asked to prepare for a lot because in base personnel, he's the outside because you want to keep him on the field. There's no slot corner. So you want to keep Alante Taylor on the field in some way. When it's Paulson Debo, you're okay with it because Paulson Debo is your starting outside corner. But it, it doesn't make sense to have Isaac Adam on the outside when Alante Taylor could also be on the outside. He's still their best slot option. So what that's what that's forcing Alante to do is I think prepare for too much. It's like he's focusing on all these different things. I think he's getting a little lost in the game planning. And he's you can tell he's thinking out there. That big play to Chris Godwin that set up that score that really iced the game. Guess who it was that kind of got lost in coverage? Could have (laughs) been. It was Alante, right. And Demario Davis held on that play. So it wouldn't it's not like even if he stopped it, it would have been a great result. But what happened was Alanti. It looks like he's signaling because they think they're going to drop into zone. And he thinks that Chris Godwin is running an out. So he turns and runs upfield. And then you can see Chris Godwin is actually running a return route. So he's breaking to the outside. It's like the 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 whip route, you know, like and so but Alanti doesn't see it. He's going upfield with the the receiver out of the slot. And Chris Godwin just kind of like casually strolls across the middle of the field by himself and catches that ball. And then obviously Chris Godwin is an elite NFL receiver. So he's able to make a play downfield. But I think that's just an example of like, I think he's just trying to do too much. He's got too much, too many responsibilities right now. And having to focus on inside responsibilities, on outside responsibilities and, and interchanging that in his head is not beneficial to him. I want him to be able to focus on one position. And so, you know, if Paul Cindy was able to get back, that's the case. And I think that will be helpful to him because he did not have a great game. He has moments. He always flashes. He's a great player, but you know, those breakdowns can't happen. You know, like that was like a 60 yard pass play that basically ended the game. So I think it was a third
0: down as well. And And still patiently waiting for that first Alante Taylor pick. Yeah. I keep keep calling for it every week. Eventually I'll be right.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it's Maybe he'll just never get it. And like again, I, I like Alanti Taylor a lot. I think he's been, I think he's had a good season. I think he's playing well. But I just think like the, this setup where you are asking him to, I think you are asking him to do a little too much. Like you are asking him to do more than you are asking Marshawn to do. Marshawn doesn't go inside. Marshawn is an outside cornerback, and he's arguably the best at it in the game. He didn't have his best game, but like the, he doesn't get asked to go inside. And so, but you are asking Alanti to do both of those things, and that's that's a lot. Uh, So, oh, you know, when you're trying to figure out like, okay, how does Paul Debo returning help this defense? To me, that's the big uh, the bigger element than replacing Yadam per se. I honestly think you you get to a point where you're better off just having Yadam be the outside corner and keeping Alanti in the slot. And for whatever reason, they played a lot of base in this game. They started in base and it became clear very quickly that that was not going to work because Zach Bond just cannot cover.
0: It also seems anybody wishing that the Saints are going to make a punting change. That's not happening. Blake Killigan is now heading to the Arizona Cardinals. Is he? Yeah, he's, so he got scooped up by someone finally. And, man, that's another thing, Jeff. Uh, the, the, the jury, I guess, is still kind of out on the Saints punting situation where, I mean, there's been a, a few times they've been able to pin them inside the 20, but, man, they, they don't look right and they're pretty short. Uh, you know, and, uh, when it comes down to it,
1: Blake Killigan. <laughs> kill again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, I, they they look like they're supposed to look. It's uh, it's going to look like that, and like, That's, <laughs> right, just, that's, how,
0: that's what it is.
1: The, the rugby style punter, like that's not the issue. The issue isn't the style of the punt. He just doesn't have the leg. Like he doesn't. It doesn't. He doesn't have the boot. Like, yeah. I want to see like when you're at your own twenty and you're punting. When you're punting from your own end zone, you got to get it out. Like. Like, you got to get the ball downfield. And that's the thing. That is the big, the biggest difference um, to me thus far is Lou Headley is very good at pinning people back, right? You know, and we've seen it so far. You know, even in that game, he punted four times. Three of them were downed inside the 20. It was at the 12, the 13, and the 8. So it's not, he's costing you a ton of field position in that way. But it's the... It's the punt where you just it's like you're sending him out there at his own 30 and he's like okay flip the field we'll cover just get it down there and that's where it's like you know you can direct punt all you want it's all net so I guess that's a good thing but it's yeah you're ne- you're never in that position where you know there was a play in this game where Rashid Shahid was like back like running backwards so he could field the punt over his head and he actually had a nice return on that but that's never going to happen with with Lou you know it's just not the way he kicks so yeah I mean you're not changing. You're just, you're going to roll with it, but yeah, it's, it's it hasn't been great. Uh, one thing that Dennis Allen said is, uh, you know, it seems like the first pun of the game for him is his worst. Punt.
0: I saw that, right? I was like, okay, so he, he first comes out and shanks one. it seems.
1: Yeah. Which I don't know why that is, but he like for the head coach to, to point that out, clearly it's something that they've, that they're like, that that's real. It's not just an yeah. imagined thing because he shanked one against the Panthers I, I wouldn't even call it a shank in this one they just kicked it 36 yards <laughs> and uh it's yeah it, uh, it's yeah no it, it's not a, it's not a weapon right now let's put it that way
0: yeah i know and a lot of people obviously are like oh we should have kept Morestead." that was never happening because of contract issues it wasn't it wasn't having anything to do with Morestead's ability anymore it was just the fact they didn't want to pay a putter that much i uh, be yeah, but why not bring him back well he's he's happy in miami
1: is he, I well, thought he, was he was on the, the Jets.
0: Jets. Yeah, maybe yeah, he was the he's Jets. On I'm the sorry. Jets.
1: But you're telling me when he's a free agent in the off season you couldn't be like, "Hey Thomas, can we just bring pay you the minimum? <laughs> you live here anyway, you know?"
0: Right, I was going to say I know you're just a couple blocks away.
1: Like he's still an effective. I would argue he's still more effective than than Lou. And it's like so what like if, you're, if you if you're trying that, to move on from Blake, why wouldn't you just bring in Thomas? I I don't know. It's it's kind of funny to me because I think they would be better off um But I mean, like he's in his fourth career game. He, you know, he'll he'll get better. But yeah, I just think the length on the punts is is an issue. And like you would like to see him pinning guys inside the ten, inside the five. If you're gonna, if that's the strength of your game, the thirteen is kind of disappointing, right? Because it's not like you're 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 coupling that with an eighty yard punt. You're coupling that with a thirty six yard duck.
0: Yeah, I'm just had to look real quick right now. Uh, Morstead's averaging 47 yards a punt, 43 net, and he's had eight inside the 20.
1: Yeah, and and, and Lou is not that. I think Lou's like net or uh, net is like
0: 42, <laughs> 43.1, I think I'm seeing here. He's got great hair. <laughs> Who's gonna win in a fight, Thomas Morstead or Lou Headley?
1: I feel like Lou would fight dirty. Yeah, as long as punt is 52, his average is 43.1 eight inside the 20. All right, so I so mean like, like is- he has but they punt a lot. He's right. punted 21 times. So I mean like he has done that like that that he has done reasonably well is is, is get the ball inside the 20 and force them to start from their own 10, 13. Typically you're not going to see 17 play 87 yard drives like you saw in this game and that's going to uh-huh. be an advantage but yeah it's it's when you need it's when you it's when you are in a bad situation and, and your punter has a chance to help your defense and get you get you get get them to at least start from their own 40 and in this case it seems like they're starting on mid midfield or better
0: yeah besides defense i mean not showing up uh in this game we, we haven't been re- i would say special teams in offense have not shown anything where you you have that confidence in them going forward right now and you're hoping to see some kind of spark, but um I, I disagree with that. I think any special teams
1: outside on. of the punting has been fine. The coverage has been fine. You haven't surrendered any major returns.
0: Um, he should have made that game winner in green Bay. I know it's like, yeah, but he's made every other kick. So sure. I mean but you know, that like, was a game winning attempt. Yeah, sure. But
1: I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to, he needs to, Yeah, you know, like I, it happens like you, that was the, that was the the gamble you took when you kept on a rookie kicker. He's gonna have to learn in those yeah. moments. And that was a learning experience for him. First time I think he's ever kicked in serious wins since getting to the NFL. But otherwise, he's perfect. So I mean, I'm not gonna say it's been a letdown. And then Rashid has a he has a kick return for a touchdown. And he was there was a point in this game where I felt like he was the only reliable way to move the ball. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I think special teams, generally speaking, has been fine. I just think Lou has been a bit of a letdown from what you probably would expect.
0: Definitely, uh, definitely the case there. And yeah, now like I said, there's no going back to a Blake Gillikin. He's now on the Arizona Cardinals. No, but all right.
1: Let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to do a quick look ahead, kind of reset where the Saints are, what they have coming up, Patriots this week, and then what's beyond that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around.